Back to throw. In trouble. He's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs. Gets away again. Goes to the 40. Gets away again. To the 35. Cuts back at the 30. To the 20. The 15. The 10. He dies. Touchdown 49ers. 49ers web zone. No huddle podcast. Finally back. Seems like it's been forever since Zane and I have been together on this show. Ready to talk some Niners. Guys, I am so pumped. So pumped for 2021. Zane, I cannot remember a longer offseason, dude. I just want to get the season going. I just want training camp to happen. I think with all, with everything, like last year with the Super Bowl loss and then going through that year of injuries and then the quarterback room, which we're going to talk about. And then like the lead up to the draft, which was probably the longest like month and a half of my life in the offseason with the whole Mac Jones thing and how nobody wanted him. And then we were so fortunate to have Trey Lance. I mean, it's all kind of, it feels like it's been a year and it's only literally, it's only been like six or seven months. So I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, camp is just around the corner. A lot to talk about, a lot to get to. Let's get into it, man. Yeah. Let's, things on the field. I cannot wait to start talking about real football again. But before we do, I wanted to talk a little bit about Big Dave's Barbecue. Now, if you guys aren't familiar with this, DJ Jones, his dad runs the BigDavesBBQ.com, and their sauces are absolutely out of this world. They sent me some, and I want to say thank you to the Jones family for that. And my family absolutely loved them. They're, he's got the all-American barbecue sauce, which is a little bit spicy, really, really good, nice kick to it. And then he's got all-American Hawaiian bold gold sauce that I found myself saying I was actually drinking it like like a drink. <laughs> it was that good. I just opened my fridge the other day and just just started started it down. It was fantastic. So you guys got to check this out. It's at thebigdavesbbq.com. It's on my Twitter page as well. The Jones family, they are great people. And most importantly, it helps out the DJ Jones Foundation too if you get a couple bottles of barbecue sauce. So if you guys smoke or if you do barbecue or whatever kind of meats you do for barbecue or you just want it for nuggets or something like that, it's fantastic. Go there, get a couple bottles. It's great. You know, it's good when like, you know, you, you have some left on the plate and like you got it on your finger and you're like licking it off your finger. You're just kind of polishing it off, right? That's, that's like elite sauce right there. Oh dude, I'll just lick the plate. I have no shame <laughs> whatsoever. I will lick the plate. I will drink it. It's I no shame. It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. That's awesome. Good stuff. All right. Zane, where I wanted to start is with this Kyle Shanahan interview on the Sean McVay podcast that happened when they were talking about Matt Stafford. And you wrote something on Twitter, and I think a lot of people feel, feel the way you do, and you said, why is this relevant? He's not on the team. We have a different quarterback. What are we even talking about this for? I think some people feel that way. I feel a little bit differently. And I just think, I thought it was relevant because it's part of the story of the offseason. Okay. So the way this offseason went is the Stafford rumors came up. And people could say, oh, well, the Niners were interested. They didn't make an offer. Well, Kyle pretty much came out and said, yes, they were interested. He, he was very interested in Matthew Stafford. He was very disappointed when, when they didn't get him. And that was sort of the first domino that fell in terms of the Niners looking at QBs. Stafford, and then they looked into Carson Wentz. They looked into Sam Darnold. I don't know to what extent. They were very interested in Deshaun Watson before he started having whatever those legal troubles were. And then they make the trade for Lance. So I just thought that was very telling in terms of the offseason, where the mindset was for the 49ers. And their mindset was to move on at, at the quarterback position. And also, I thought it was relevant because, look, people like me took a lot of heat when that Stafford thing happened, not only because 
you know, we had said that there was definitely interest there from the 49ers, but we came out and said at the time, look, they're, they're, they're looking for another quarterback and people were like, no, they're not. You're crazy. Or they're just looking for an upgrade. Stafford's like a one and done situation. They're not going to keep looking for QBs, but they did. That was the theme of the off season that ultimately led us to Trey Lance. So when I, when I saw that and, and when I tweeted that out, it's funny because I tweeted it and I, I shortly followed it up by saying that there are two people that should feel vindicated right now. Like there's two people specifically, Al Sacco and Javier Vega. These are the two people that you should feel the most vindicated because people came at you guys and attacked you guys unfairly and put you guys in a spot where you were made out to be the enemy because of information that you had received and just passed on. And the idea of don't kill the messenger, they were killing the messenger. So I think that for you guys, this, this held a specific level of importance. Um, and this was kind of personal for you. I think that for everybody else that was external to that whole uh, conversation and that whole event that kind of went down, look, to me, I, I think that Matt Stafford is a, is a very good quarterback. I've always said that. And I think that he would have been a great addition to the 49ers. But I think that the fact that they got Trey Lance, to me, long-term, is a better, a better fit for what Kyle wants because he's a dual threat, number one. And he can basically do anything that Kyle wants him to do at this point. There's no physical limitations, right? The only limitation that he'll have potentially is in processing. And I think that all the Mac Jones BS and all that stuff, that's, that's where people said that the Niners were reportedly, apparently interested in Mac Jones because of the processing. And it's funny because Mac Jones is struggling in New England anyways, process stuff, but go, go figure. But I think the whole Matt Stafford thing kind of, it, yeah, like obviously they were trying to replace Jimmy Garoppolo. And you know me, like I look, I will support whoever the quarterback of the Niners is, right? Like people think that because I support Jimmy Garoppolo, that means that like I will die for this guy and it doesn't matter and I'll cry if he doesn't start doing it. It doesn't matter to me. You can support a guy, but also be aware that the better option is waiting in the wings, right? And to me, that's Trey Lance. But if we want to look at it this way, Al, and I kind of want to open it up, to open this question up to you. Like, we know that Jimmy Garoppolo was not the first option, right? Like, when even when he first came here, that was Kirk Cousins was the mm-hmm. first option. And we know that even this offseason, Jimmy Garoppolo was not the first option, right? Like you said, all the guys that you, you rattle off there, like Stafford and Wentz and Darnold and anybody else that they were in, Deshaun Watson, all those guys were options before Jimmy, right? Because they looked into all of them. Right. But can't that same thing be said about Trey Lance too? Because at the end, Trey Lance was like the option that you ended up with because you didn't get any of those other options. So can't you say, can't people say that, well, Trey Lance wasn't the first option either? I'm not going to say that. I love Trey Lance. I, hell, I bought the dude's jersey. I'm going to post pictures of my 94 throwback Trey Lance jersey as soon as it comes in. July 22nd, folks, that's when it's coming in. But, you know, can't people take that angle as well? Or is this specific just to a specific player? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so because. Looking at vets and then moving up for a rookie, I think it's sort of kind of two different things. So in the way that it was, at least the way I understand it, let me put it that way, is that Matthew Stafford, they were, let's go with him. And look, I think Matthew Stafford's going to be terrific. He's, I, I don't think he got the credit he deserved in Detroit. I think he can be a Pro Bowl, all-pro MVP type player with the Rams, and I think he could have done it with 49ers. Same thing with Watson. The guy's a stud, right? So those two guys, if, if they're available, you, you go get those guys, right? They're studs. And even the Aaron Rodgers thing, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. You know, if, if a guy like that is available, you go get him. And I don't think 
I think with the Wentz and Darnold, it seemed to me like they were just kind of checking in. I don't know how serious any of that was. Just kind of, all right, they're available. Well, but then to identify Lance and give up what they gave up for him, once once the the known commodities weren't there anymore and they moved up and I think they definitely mortgaged the future for the guy they feel can be the franchise guy. So I, I don't think you look at it that way. I think it was a different approach. I wouldn't say that he's not the first pick. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it that way, but, but I will say this and you mentioned, you know, supporting Garoppolo and, and look, I, I probably come off on Twitter. Like, like I don't like Jimmy. I, I don't mean to come off that way. Cause I don't have an issue with Jimmy at all. It's more for me. It's I think Jimmy's an okay quarterback. I don't think he's like, a top tier quarterback. He's fine. You can win with him. But to me, it's the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is the head coach does not want him to be the quarterback anymore. That to me has been as plain as day since at least January. The head coach does not want him. The head coach has been looking at other options. The head coach traded multiple first round draft picks to get a quarterback to replace him. When that quarterback is ready, whether that's preseason, whether that's week five, whether whatever that is, that quarterback will replace him. They're not going to sit Trey Lance just for the sake of playing Garoppolo. Garoppolo is done. That is the reality of the situation. When Trey Lance is ready, he plays. If Trey Lance isn't ready, that's more a Trey Lance thing. Do you know what I mean by that? Mm-hmm. So he's got to get ready before he gets on the field. Now, if he's ready eventually this year, that's understandable. If it's a situation where we're like, oof, you know, he's, this guy's going to take some time. Well, you know, then maybe that's a whole other bag of issues, but I don't see that. I think he's going to be ready pretty quickly. And, and, and that's the reality of the situation to me. It's nothing against Jimmy, but open your eyes. The coach doesn't want him. He's, he's not gonna be on the team next year. Might not be on the team after week one. Lance is the future. This, I'm not trying to be hard on Jimmy. I'm just looking at the reality of the situation. Yeah. I think that's, that's a fair thing to say. And I think that that much, the, the writing's on the wall, right? And I think that for me, I'm I'm comfortable because what did I say that at the outset of the offseason? I said that they need to figure out the quarterback situation. Whatever it is, they need to figure it out. And and they did. In, in my mm. estimation, they did. And the quarterback, the solution is Trey Lance. And that's a damn good solution, in my opinion. He's set up to be the most successful out of any of these rookie quarterbacks. You could say Justin Fields, as I as I sit here from Chicago at the time of this podcast, uh, broadcasting from the place that Justin Fields has been drafted. It's It's a huge hype behind him over here, by the way. Uh, they know what they got here, but he's not a coach like Kyle Shanahan, right? Like Matt Nagy is not anywhere near the the coach that Kyle Shanahan is. So I think that Trey Lance is set up to be more successful than anybody. It's just a matter of him capitalizing off of it right now. But as far as Jimmy goes, like I, it, the frustrating thing for me was to understand what you're saying and hear what you're saying from multiple people in multiple places. But the fact that Kyle ended up staying with Jimmy. It's like, man, I, I just kind of wish they just would have gotten rid of Jimmy and we would, wouldn't even have to worry about this. And we would just be like, all right, cool. Quarterback X is in here. He's going to be the placeholder. And then Trey Lance is going to take over. Right. But then like all of this, like posturing and, and speculation about what is going to happen with Jimmy and the back and forth and all 22s and all this stuff. It's just been really exhausting Al. It's been so exhausting for the last two years to be talking about the same stuff in and out. Every day, yeah. every time we do a podcast, we're talking about Jimmy this, Jimmy that. And now we had a chance that Kyle had a chance to move off of him and he didn't. So it's like, you know, it, it's fine that Kyle doesn't doesn't want him and, and that his actions are saying that like he doesn't want him. But at the end of the day, Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the roster after all of that. And to well, me, yeah, that's, that's, 
it's inferior. It's crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Put it's, yourself it's just, in like, his shoes right uh, now. Like it's been handled so poorly. Like if you don't want him, let him go. Let him go. Did, did you see what Eric Davis tweeted? I did. I did. I did. And I saw okay. you like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. So he wrote, he wrote, why tell your QB you don't want him, but keep him as your QB? Because he basically said on the Stafford interviews, like, oh, I really wanted Stafford and I was so mad type thing. And the same thing happened throughout the offseason. They're looking at quarterbacks. They're in on, you know, on Watson. They make this trade. Kyle's not even pulling any punches with it. And that's another thing I said back with the Stafford stuff. I'm like, the Niners are openly telling Jimmy they don't want him. And people were like, no, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. They're, he's the quarterback. Uh, he's a professional. He, he knows they're just looking around. If you're Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm sorry. You got to be like, are you, are, you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me publicly? And now, listen, he's not going to dog his dog, you know, dog on his teammates. He's still going to go out and give 110%. But anybody in that situation, I don't care who you are. If somebody's, you know, oh, yeah, we're really looking at other people. And you're like, uh, it's my job, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like you're, <laughs> you're dating a girl and you tell everyone you know, yeah, you know, she's not that pretty. I'm just looking for somebody better looking. <laughs> And like, but it's still your girlfriend, you know, like it's, that's basically what it is. And it's crazy. So, you know, with that part of me, I guess, I, I guess I'm rooting for Jimmy's kind of the underdog now. Right. And he kind of got to root for the underdog, but yeah. again, realistically is his, his time is his days are numbered here. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how it's going to play out. I don't, I don't know when it's going to play out and listen, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I think Trey Lance is going to start sooner than later. Yeah, no, Trey's Trey started this year. He's he's definitely starting this year. The question is when, right? Whether it's week four or eight or after the bye week ten or like the Mahomes thing where he started the last game of the season. We, we don't know, but if Trey stays healthy, he's going to start. And I don't necessarily know if he's going to start week one. Like, there's a lot of people that are like sure that he's going to start week one. I'm like, look, man, this guy's a, a tw- just turned 21 years old, and he hasn't had any significant playing time since he was 19. He played one game last year. He's had 17 starts in college, albeit in a, in a pro-style offense, and played very well in the offense. But I've heard people say, oh, well, he's mastered certain aspects of the offense by the time he was 19. Man, Al, who has mastered anything by the time they are 19 years old, man? Like, it doesn't matter what you've done in life. Like, when you're 19 years old, you, you're still working on whatever you're doing. You're not a finished product as a human being, as a football player, as a professor of a university it doesn't matter what you're doing right like you're uh well i don't know any professors are 19 years old but you know what i mean like whatever your profession is when you're mm-hmm. 19 years old and doing doing what you're doing like you're not mastering that right you're still learning so i think that this this expectation that the fan base has that oh train lance is going to come in or part of the fan base has a train lance coming come in and day one take the job and start to me, like I think, I think that's a little bit far fetched given his age and given his experience and given the fact that look, you don't want to ruin this guy, okay? Like you have to bring him along in a, in a way that makes sense. And only Kyle knows that answer. None of us know that answer. Like maybe Kyle sees something in him. Cameron's like, look, this guy has to start week one because he's just out of the off the charts intelligent, off the charts athletic, and he has to start for our team week one. Maybe Kyle sees that right, but that's his decision. And at the end of the day, we have to trust him to be able to make that decision. Like no amount of of misdirected Jimmy hate because we want him off the team, so we want Trey Lance to start is going to change that. And I think that ultimately, what's going to make that determination is number one, how Trey prog- is his health. First of all, he has to stay healthy. Number two, his progression in camp, 
how he progresses because they'll both get shots with the ones, right? They'll both get time to play. Yeah, you think so. Mm -hmm. And number three, how he progresses in the preseason. If he's just like totally lost and totally like, you know, he's missing guys and just, you know, that this guy's like, you remember Giovanni Carmazzi in the preseason? I don't know if you remember that. Like it took one game to realize that guy was like, all right, he's not ready. Right. And they (laughs) dropped him the third round. So I think that like he has to show progressively show that that growth and then Kyle will be more comfortable with that because look, they're not playing for 2021. Okay. Trey Lance is going to be the starting quarterback, a pro bowl, all pro, hopefully super bowl winning quarterback for the next 10 years. Plus with this team, we're not playing for one year. So to bring him along and be like, Oh, he has to be good this year. I mean, that's incredibly short sighted. And I really hope people aren't taking that, that view because it's going to be growth and it's going to be progression. And we want him to be here for the long term and grow him the right way. Yeah. Well, I want, definitely want to touch on what you said about, this year in the window and everything like that. But before, okay, so I got to ask you, so you used to, you used to, used to say last year, I remember Jimmy looked like sometimes, you know, he threw an interception and he didn't look like he was really with it or in it. Right. Didn't you say he kind of mm-hmm. looked checked out at times last year? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Specifically like in, the, in the new England game, he threw a pick and he was laughing. So, so where do you think his head must be right now? Do you think he's alienated? Do you think he's like to hell with, with Kyle Sh- Shanahan again? He's not going to not perform for his teammates. You know, I don't, He's that kind of guy, but where do you think his head is? If you're Jimmy Garoppolo, where's your head right now? I think there's still some sort of alienation because like the things that Kyle has said and done, like, I mean, you can't help be alienated by, by that behavior, by, by those actions. Right. But I think that last year he felt, he probably felt like there was some option, right? Like I'm basically out of here. I can force my release. They'll trade me. Um, New England will somehow trade for me and it'll be, it'll be done. Right. Because last year, that was kind of the idea that like we, we thought that Jimmy was done here, right? That, that kind of yeah. prevailing thought. So maybe he thought that same thing. And I think that he definitely carried himself that way. Now it's like, he's like, well, I know I'm here for at least one more year. I have to play out the string here. And it's kind of like an audition for the next team. That's going to, that's going to pick me up. Right. Whether it's, you know, like you said, he may not be on the team by week one. It may be a trade deadline thing. It may be after the season, but his days are numbered here. We know that, especially at that, that number of his contract. So. At this point, for him, it's like, well, I get one more year to kind of audition and one more year to kind of like go into FU mode. And it, and it depends on what type of competitor he is. And some guys like Tom Brady, you, you know when he's in FU mode. Like he was in that mode this year. And that guy won a championship. So does he have that extra gear to go into FU mode and really put up good numbers and ball out like he said he would? We'll see. But I think that he's kind of in that situation where he's like, all right, I'm going to go into FU mode and I'm going to try to ball out. That's that's where I think he is right now, because he hasn't have a choice. Like he has to stay yeah, here. It'd be, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Well, maybe not. I mean, they could ask him to take a pay cut too if he's the backup. But that's the thing. Nobody was trading for a twenty-five million dollar QB who's been hurt two of the last three years. Nobody was trading a second-round pick for that for that QB. Mm-hmm. It makes that much money and doesn't stay on the field. So, you know, if New England was interested, I was probably for for a much later pick, and the Niners probably weren't doing that because they didn't really have insurance. You know, I, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think that as crazy as this may sound, I think the Nate Sudfeld signing is kind of Jimmy Garoppolo insurance. Because if Lance does does win the job, and I'm not saying Sudfeld is a good quarterback, but he would probably, him and Rosen would probably be the Nick Mullins, CJ Beathard, hopefully better. But, you know, the two and the number two and three QBs, if Lance is the starter, you have, you have those sort of backups there if they have to move Jimmy. So it's, it's going to be really interesting. Be really interesting um, to see how the training camp shakes out and things like that with quarterbacks. I, I can't wait. It's fascinating to me. But 
Mm-hmm. All right. So I was going to say, you brought up everybody's talking Super Bowl this year, right? Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. And yeah, they got guys on one-year deals. I get that. But here's where I am with the Niners right now. They have to start becoming a perennial playoff team. They have to be in the dance year in and year out. We're talking five, four winning seasons in the last 18 years. They are never in it. In 2019, if you're looking at sort of the Shanahan era, that was kind of a one-off year. A lot of those guys aren't here anymore, right? Buckner, Sherman, um, Witherspoon, Alexander, D Ford, we'll see if he plays this year or not. Um, Joe Staley, Emmanuel Sanders, right? These guys, Rustin Richburg, Tevin Coleman, Kendrick Bourne, they're not here, right? So it was kind of a one-off, one-and-done thing. Last year, they had the injuries. Now what's happening is I think you have this window. The 49ers have a five-year window, I think, with this core. And if Lance is a franchise QB, obviously that window will get extended. But right now, you know, you, you're looking at guys like Kittle and Trent Williams and Bosa and Warner, guys like that. I know I'm definitely missing people, but, you know, sort of those that core, Debo and Ayuk, core group of players who are going to be here for the next five years. The Niners have this window open. They have to take advantage of it. They've lost 10 games five of the last six seasons. That has to end. They have to be a team now like, like the Seahawks. You can hate the Seahawks all you want to. They win 10 games every freaking year, every year. Even before, you know, Russell Wilson became Russell Wilson, they had the defense and everything. They, they win 10 games every year. The Packers win 10 games every year. The Steelers are always in it. You know, I'm not saying be the Patriots and be a dynasty, but be in the dance, be in the mix year in, year out. That's what we need. That's, that's what we have to see if they can do with this group of players. Yeah, I think right now I saw a tweet the other day about ranking head coaching tiers and like, you know, there's there's all the different tiers of head coaches. I think there was five of them. And uh, Kyle Shanahan was ranked in the first tier alongside Belichick, uh, Sean Payton, McVay, Andy Reid, and yeah, it was, and it was Kyle Shanahan, the six of them. Um, I feel like for Kyle Shanahan to be ranked in that elite status, he has to be able to show something more than what he's shown. Like you said, like a perennial playoff team. Because... At some point, like I, I totally get it. Like, like I said last year, like I've been saying all year and part of the offseason that, you know, Kyle gets a pass for last year because of the injuries. It's not his fault. It really isn't. Like the absurd amount of injuries last year and that the stuff that they had to deal with, with first the fires in California and the air quality and then no fans in the stadium and then having to deal with all the injuries and then playing in Arizona for the last part of the like nobody's gonna succeed like that. Nobody is. So I think that really this year, the evaluation of Kyle Shannon, plus he's got his quarterback in the future now, right? Trey Lance. So I think the evaluation of Kyle Shannon can really start this year and the evaluation of this team, this unit can start this year because now they have all the pieces in place to be, uh, to be successful. It's just a matter of making that, putting that all together. And Al, like if they come up with a seven and nine season, a six and 10 season while staying healthy, like if it's one of those things where they stay healthy or even if, Jimmy gets hurt again and they ended up with that that type of season, which very well could happen with the rookie quarterback. Like, what do you think happens with Kyle? Is he on the hot seat? Is he not on the hot seat? Because you actively tried to replace Jimmy Wright, but then you ended up keeping him, knowing that he has this injury injury history. And that if that contributes to another really bad record, what happens then? So I don't even really really want to think about that. But they do have to start winning. They have to start winning a lot in a hurry. And 
you have one of the better coaching minds in the league. Again, like, like I said, like a top two play caller. And in my opinion, he's not number two. And you've got all this talent. You've got a bunch of guys on rookie deals. I mean, Fred Warner's hopefully going to resign and he'll be off his rookie deal, but you've got Bosa coming back. You've got Warner, you've got hopefully a, a beast in the making Javon Kinlaw. A lot of people are high on him, a really solid one, two and Debo and Ayuk and George Kittle is there. You've got a bunch of good running backs. You've got a revamped offensive line with Alex Mack. And that's a, a fantastic signing, by the way, um, that I can't really stop talking enough about, but, there's no excuse now, Al. Like it's it's put up or shut up time. They got to at least make the playoffs this year. Am I am I wrong for saying that? No, I don't think so. And I I like Kyle as much as anybody. I'm I'm a I am a Kyle Shanahan guy. I, I really am. I really like him as a coach. But you're right. At some point, the results have to be there. Now now he he bought himself some leeway with that Super Bowl run. He definitely did. I know they didn't finish the job, but they got there. So you know it buys some goodwill, but. The bottom line is this, he's lost 10 games three of the last four years, and I know it's because of injuries and things like that, but they have to start winning. He's the only coach in 49ers history, I keep saying it, to have 10, three, three 10 lost seasons, the only one. And I, it's because of outside factors, it's because of the injuries, and he hasn't had a starting QBs. You know, the guy's going through three quarterbacks every season, no coach is going to win like that. But yeah, they have to start now. And I, I don't think it's got to be, they don't have to win 13 games this year. You know, if they're 10 and seven, right, as long as they're in the mix, I, I think that's okay if, if the court, if, the, if Trey Lance is starting, mm-hmm. but you have to start building towards something and you have to be in the playoff mix the next, you know, three out of the next four years or four of the next five years or whatever it is. You got to be there. I hope five out of the next five. Like I said, I hope they're a perennial playoff team, but things happen, injuries happen, but they, mm-hmm. for the most part, they, they have to turn this around. They have to. And look, I don't think Kyle's going to be in any kind of a hot seat. It would have to be a, a train wreck disaster year this season for him to go on the hot seat. It really would. But the next couple of years, you know, if it's 2022 and we're still running in mud or we're like, where are we going? Then, then it's a different conversation. But he's got his QB now. <laughs> you know, this is one of the most aggressive trades, if not the most aggressive trade in 49ers history. They are all in. And if Trey Lance doesn't work, you know, it's going to be a big problem, but I think, I think they're headed in the right direction. Like I said, I just, I, I'm chopping at the bit to get the season going. I think this is the start of something. I really, really do. Is it going to be difficult because you, know, you have a new defensive coordinator? Give me some growing pains. Maybe, maybe we'll, we'll see, but I, I really, really believe that this is the start of something good for them. I think so too. And I think that I, I felt really good about the pick about, uh, of Trey Lance. I mean, I feel like that's the type of pick to turn your franchise around because they don't usually make that pick. They always, the Niners haven't picked a QB that high since Alex Smith. And certainly, you know, they weren't going to do it and they ended up trading. I don't think they've ever made a trade like this. The only one I can remember is like, well, like JJ Stokes that they made this trade for. They traded a couple of picks for him and and they thought that he would be the the one and it never really happened. So really like this kind of comes down to uh, a lot of potential a lot of young players, a lot of the, the, the team is kind of in transition. They're transitioning away from that 2019 Super Bowl team and they're transitioning in, into kind of a newer era, like a younger era. And they're letting go of some of these veterans and, uh, you know, guys like Rich, Richard Sherman have been replaced. We'll get to him in a minute. But really, it just comes down to being able to, number one, stay healthy. And number two, being able to capitalize on opportunities because, Al, like you're getting a, you're getting a situation where the Rams, 
I feel like, you know, with Stafford, you've got like three to four years before he really starts declining. Like he's in his mid thirties, provided he can stay healthy. You've got the Cardinals who have like a ton of guys that are like just super old and like a, a ton of guys are just at the tail end of their careers. And the Cardinals in, in, don't, in, they don't scare me at all. Yeah. And you sure, have yeah. Kingsbury is just a terrible coach. And you've got Seattle where they're kind of hanging on for dear life for supremacy in the division. Like something happens where they just win the division every year, like some stupid stuff at the end of the season. Some team beats one of the other teams, the NFC West, and like it's the Seahawks end up capitalizing off of that. But they're a team that's just hanging on for dear life. Russell Wilson's getting older. Uh, he's kind of making some uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic mistakes like in the second half of last season. Pete Carroll was basically on his last contract with them. Their defense is only holding over, uh, I believe Bobby Wagner is the only player from that Super Bowl defense that they had in 2013. So they're also a team in transition too. So now is the time for the Niners. It would be really a great time for you to get good because all these teams pretty soon are going to be on the downturn. I mean, I know that Kyler Murray's is young quarterback and stuff, but I just don't believe in Cliff Kingsbury. I really don't. So this, this would be a really great time for the Niners to turn around and put together like a good solid five to seven years. Yeah, I hope so. I, it's tough for me to say the Rams are on the, ever going to be on the decline, though, because Sean McVay, 11 and 5, 13 and 3, 9 and 7, 10 and 6. Sean McVay's a hell of a coach. He, yeah, Kyle's you know, his he, daddy, though. Kyle owns him. Like, if it came down to Kyle versus McVay, you know Kyle's going to beat him. Yeah, but here's my thing with that. Like, I understand the Niners are beating them head to head. But, dude, like, the proof is McVay's 43 and 21 as a head coach. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, if the Niners are six and ten and beats the beat the Rams twice, who cares? You know the Niners got to start being ten and six, eleven and five, or you now there's seventeen games. But you know what I mean. That, that's where it's got to change around. So I understand they've been good head to head, but I cannot stress enough: it is time for the 49ers to start winning ten, eleven games every single season. It's yeah. time. It's mm-hmm. time. And enough. Enough. It's it, it's time. It's been eighteen years. Let's start doing stuff consistently again. That's that. That's where I am. So, all right. I I don't. I I wasn't even sure I wanted to talk about this next thing, but I, I guess we will. Did you hear the Richard Sherman nine one one call? Yeah, uh, really, really I, disturbing. It was really hard to listen to, and a couple things. Just I don't really want to speak to anybody's personal life. Like I said, I didn't even really want to touch on this, but it's it's news, and the the nine one one call got released, and it's everywhere. So I, I guess we will. The first thing my brain goes to when I hear something like that or my mind goes to is CTE mm-hmm. in mental health. And you just wonder, you know, what kind of demon someone's going through inside there because you don't know. You know, we see these people, you're like, oh, well, you know, I watch, he seems like a, like a guy who's with it. I see him on interviews. You see him when a TV camera's in front of him. Maybe you see him sign some autographs to people. You don't see these people inside their home or at their, at the, at their lowest points, right? We all have low points, right? So it's scary. And when CTE comes into it or any kind of mental health issues, and we've seen it with football players, we've seen it happen. Just horrible things happen with football players because of this. And, you know, you know, I definitely hope that they get the help that they need. Um, it's a terrible situation. And for anybody who listened to the 911 call, that dispatcher should lose her job. I mean, what an unprofessional piece of garbage, the way she was speaking to Richard Sherman's wife, a woman who's clearly you know, frantic and just trying to get the police at her house. And, and she was just talking down to her and not letting her finish and just absolutely horrible. That person should lose her job. 
absolutely lose her job. It was terrible. But I just hope people get the help they deserve um, or the help they need, I should say. Uh, that's all I really want to say about it for me personally. So just, it, it's just, it was hard. It was tough to listen to, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, first of all, you know, I hope that he can and his family can get the help that they need to be able to uh, address a lot of these issues and uh, deal with it in a healthy way. Mental health is such an important thing. And I think that with the pandemic and with all of us basically being affected by it, the entire world being affected by it, a lot of mental health uh, issues have kind of come to the forefront as a result. Uh, when you take people out of their routines and and keep them away from their families and, and in some cases, people losing their jobs and their well-being, I think it exposes a lot of underlying issues, just societal issues that that we that we have that contribute to, to all of these things. But that being said, I think that with Richard Sherman, like, I, you know, I've never talked to him, right? Like, and I, and I wouldn't want to speculate, but I mean, like, when you look at the facts, like he's 33 years old, he's basically at the, the tail end of his career. Uh, the team that he was on basically let him walk. And there are no real prospects of any other teams wanting to sign him um, because he's clearly on the, on the decline. And when you go from basically like a Hall of Fame career in the beginning, it started with a, a boom, a legion of boom, if you will, but started with a, a boom. And now he's kind of down to the situation where he's a Hall of Fame player, but nobody wants him. It's a rough realization. I think as an athlete, when, you, when you're done and you realize that you're done, it's like the toughest thing to deal with, whether you're, and I'm talking about anybody who's played like a high level, like, you know, college or, or even like high school or, it doesn't matter where you are and what you do, I, I guess. But I mean, like for me personally, like when I was an athlete, like and I was when I was done, it was a really tough pill for me to swallow. And luckily, I had college to finish my degree and all that stuff to, to keep me busy. But I mean, like when you're a professional, you know, like what what is the next big thing? What is the next thing that you're going to focus on? And a lot of these guys struggle with that. They really do. And we've heard in various people who have retired, you know, talk about like, what are we going to do with our time? And it's it's really hard being away from the game, which is why so many of them come back to coach uh, because they want to be close to the game. But as far as like Richard Sherman goes, man, I mean, like it was so out of character. And like when I first saw that, I'm like, no way. Like that's, you know, he seems like so put together and just exactly like you were saying, like whenever he does interviews, he's a thoughtful guy and he's an intelligent guy. And then he went to Stanford, man. This guy's smart. But I think the thing is, is that we can't, we can't conflate intelligence with emotional stability, right? Like these people have their own demons that they're, that they're fighting with. Even intelligent people have demons that they fight with. So um, really, uh, that's, that's really all I can say about it and really all I want to say about it because it's just an unfortunate situation. Um, and the dispatcher and all that stuff, it kind of like rubs salt in the wounds of a family that's dealing with something that's really hard too. So um, I, I pray that and I, and, I, and I hope that the Sherman family gets the help and peace that they need. Um, to be able to kind of rectify this and be able to kind of address it. But yeah, that dispatcher was, was just terrible. It sucks. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying Richard Sherman is dealing with CT. I do not know that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we've seen football players, things like this happen and it, and it, and it comes down to that sometimes. So like my mind, mm-hmm. oh, and in caring for just people in general, I don't want to see that happen to anyone. So my mind kind of goes, oh man, is that something he dealing with? Are there other mental health problems? And you just... I just wish the best for everybody. That's all. Mm. So hopefully they get the help they need. And I guess we'll mm. just leave it at that. And hopefully that mm. family can heal however they need to. So, mm. all right. On to brighter things. We got some mailbag questions. Dilla mailbag, Zane. Pull up these questions. It's all been right, a while since you've done a man. It's been a while. All right. Let me see where I want to start. Okay. 
let's just start up at the top. Do you, oh, Jimmy G question. What do you know? I think there's probably a few of these. Do you think Jimmy G will have a breakout season with Lance on his heels? If so, do we still trade him? You want to give- start on that one? We should, we should give credit to the people who asked these two, right? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I will, I guess, but some people, it's like, you know, a weird Twitter name and it doesn't make any sense. Uh, this is from okay. Jennifer Fry. So that's, that's okay, a cool. regular name. Uh, excellent. So, um, so the question was, if Jimmy D doesn't, doesn't ball out, are they going to, are they going to trade him? Basically, right? No, no, no. Do you think he'll have a breakout season? And if so, do we still trade him? Oh, got it. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know if he'll have a breakout season because really like, that depends on number one, his health. I don't know if it's going to be a breakout season because I don't know if he's that type of quarterback to really like take over an entire season. I think that he works well within his scheme. He works well within the system. I think that he'll do much better than he did last year. And you may see something closer to 2019. I don't think you'll see 2017 where you put the whole team on his back for a portion of the season. I just think that, that, that the ACL injury affected him too much and he's not that player anymore. But I think you'll see a stable quarterback. I think you'll see a quarterback that has more trust uh and, and kyle and kyle have more trust in him now that they know that they're working together for sure for a season at least and i think that you'll see him play better than he did last year um i still don't see him with the team beyond this year like i was shocked to see him back with the team frankly this year but i think that he's gonna he's gonna play better than he did last year for sure that's that's something that i i, I bet on yeah, again, I don't even think he's going to start the season as a starter, so it's hard for me to to do that. If he has a great year, I don't think it matters. I think he's traded either way. If he has a great year, they maybe get more from him in a trade. I don't, I don't know. I don't think there's any way he's with the Niners. So that's my answer to that. Um, this from Jeffrey Wallazer. If Jimmy G starts the season as QB1, how short of a leash do you think he will be on? Um, I think he's going to be on an extremely short leash. I think, again, as soon as Lance is ready, I think he plays. Um, unless Jimmy is absolutely out of his mind, you know, 10 touchdowns, two interceptions, if they're four games and the Niners are 4-0, I, I, you know, I, I think they make the move to Lance pretty quickly. I think it depends on how Lance performs in camp. Because if Lance is not, if he's struggling in camp and he's missing guys and, and he's not able to digest the offense and digest the playbook, then that leash has to be longer because you don't have a choice. Like you can't throw a guy in before he's ready. So I think the leash depends more on Trey Lance than it does on Jimmy, to be very honest. Because and and the, the progression of Trey. If Trey can show that he's ready, yeah, it's gonna be a short leash. If Trey needs still needs more work and more time, and Kyle has a way of integrating him into the offense, whether it's RPOs or just quarterback design runs or anything like that to get just get his feet wet. And if Trey seems to be digesting that stuff well, then I think that the leash also gets shorter too. But this leash is not even like a like a season long leash for Jimmy. It's like a probably like a ten week leash max, and to me that's that's a pretty decently short leash because you're not even playing a full season. So, yeah, I would say short to medium leash. If it's trades, if trades progressing really fast, then it's a really short leash. All right, this is from again one of those people. I don't, I don't even. It's at Hercules four one eight one. Do you? Th- think it is more likely that Kyle was frustrated with Detroit and the handling of trading Stafford more than actually losing out on Stafford. Probably a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he was more upset with losing out on Stafford since that was somebody that he wanted. It did seem like he was a little, you know, he was told that he can go to sleep, nothing was happening, and then a trade happened. So I'm sure he was frustrated with that. 
but I think he was actually frustrated on losing out on Stafford because he saw an immediate upgrade. Um, somebody he could plug right into his team like the Rams did and, and get better at the QB position. So yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. Yeah, I think so. I, I buy that for sure because uh, Stafford is plug and play. Like with Trey, they're going to have to progress him and bring him along and develop him. With Stafford, it's just like he just started day one and you know he's the guy and you know he's the guy for the next few years. So yeah, definitely missing out on a guy like that. And to me, he was Deshaun Watson was not really available this offseason because of all the issues that he had, the legal issues. So Stafford was basically the the top quarterback available via trade or free agency. So I think that because of that and having a shot at getting him and, and missing out on him, yeah, they were frustrated. And again, like you said, like I don't want to repeat what you're saying, but yeah, like there's certain things that happen in the NFL that are good faith things. And maybe he felt like Detroit violated that because it's just, it's just seems like a clown show over there. Like, I mean, they're, they're head coach. You can't lose to that Al. Come on, man. Like, <laughs> we look forward to we, come on. Like if Kyle loses to that, come on, man, you can't lose. Biting, to that some, kn- biting some kneecaps. Yeah. Wearing a racing helmet or space helmet to his press conferences. What the hell? Like what's his name? Dan Campbell is his name. I think. Dave yeah, Campbell? he's like he, he's got some serious, serious like Mike Singletary vibes going on, like crazy yeah. like Mike Singletary vibes. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. It's gonna make for it's gonna be entertaining at least. It's gonna be entertaining. I feel bad for Lions fans though. Like <laughs> at some point, they're one of those teams. You just hope, you know, can they get just a little run, a couple good years without everything going wrong? What a what a shit show that franchise is. Mm-hmm. Oh man! All right, this next one is from Chez Patry. Um, best NFL stadium experience you've had, excluding candlestick slash Levi's. I love going to Buffalo. They're crazy. It's fun. That is a fun place to watch a game. So I'm going to go with that. Yeah, they're going through tables. Their beach balls are getting knocked around. Like it's nuts. And if you wear, I remember I went to a Niners game. This was when Sean Hill was the quarterback. So it's 2008, maybe before I did any of this. Right. So I just went with my buddy, my buddy, like, my buddy works at a bar. He's a manager at a bar and he's like up by Buffalo. And he's like, I got a couple tickets, Niners game. I'm like, yeah, I'm in. So I show up and I'm like, he's like, you're not wearing any Niners stuff. I'm like, get the hell out of here. No to Buffalo. Like (laughs) and the Niners are not, the bills don't care about the 49ers. They're not rivals. You know what I mean? Like it's Mm. a completely random team to a Buffalo fans. And they were awful, awful. (laughs) They were like ripping Niners stuff off people and throwing it in like toilets there was, I remember I was going to get a beer and there was like one kid, he was like, I don't know, he's probably in his twenties and he was huddled in a corner and he was like pleading, like, just leave me alone, man. I just want to watch the game. And there were like 40 bills fans around him, just like throwing shit at him. And like, oh like they're God. insane, insane, but it's fun. It's a good time if you got bill stuff on. So yeah, I would say if you haven't been to Buffalo, do not wear anything of the other team, just dress normal, man. You know, I just had normal clothes that I had nothing on. Nobody, nobody knew my allegiance for that game because um, I didn't want to die. But um, it's a good, it's a good time, man. Yeah, the bills, the bills are fun. Wow, that was uh, November thirtieth, two thousand eight, right, Al? Might have been. The Niners won seven to three. I remember. Ten three, ten three, I believe. Ten three. Okay, ten three. Yeah. Yeah. 10, 3, uh, uh, Isaac Sean Bruce Hill. caught a touchdown pass. He did, and Sean Hill threw that. Sean Hill threw a touchdown pass. Isaac Bruce caught a touchdown. Um, yeah, that was <laughs> the Niners were. They were bad. I think they were like three and eight going into that game or something like that. They were like out of the playoffs and Buffalo was like, they were like almost 500. So they were like fighting for a playoff spot. So yeah, I can understand that they were pissed at the moment. Three and 18 yeah. came and ruined their season. Oh, it was before uh, they even lost. This was like pregame. Yeah, they're, they're crazy. They're absolutely crazy. Oh, geez. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. 
before they even lose, they're like, wow, that's that's yeah. The Bills fans are, let me tell you what, good times. That's nuts. Um, for me, people are gonna hate this, but Seattle, like I went to uh Colin Kaepernick's second start in Seattle, and uh it was a, a it was a Sunday night game, and it was rainy and it was cold and it was freaking loud. Like this is the loudest place I've ever been in my life from the moment that the Niners touched the ball on offense. Like they were so loud that my wife was with me at the game. Like we couldn't even talk to each other. Like it was that loud. Like the ground at when, when they blocked that kick and, and Sherman returned that for a touchdown, like the ground was shaking. Like it was unbelievably loud. And I hate that it was the Seahawks, but it was so cool. Like it was so cool to be in a place that loud. Uh, so I would have to say, yeah, the, the Seattle Seahawks, I, I hate them and their fan base is a bunch of clowns, but they know how to get stupid and loud. It's not that hard to get stupid and loud and drunk, but they know how to do it really well. All right. The next one comes from KD. How come the new 1994 red alternate jerseys can't be customized with Deion Sanders or Merton Hanks? Is that true? You can't customize them? Uh, you cannot customize them yet. So typically like what they'll let you do is so I bought so the Lance jersey that I bought it's 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 a custom jersey because they don't sell like they they don't sell that for uh for Trey Lance at least at the outset. Um, so you can get them customized, but I believe right now they only have the current team's nameplates. Um, so at some point they'll probably open it up like with the old jerseys, right? Or not the old ones, but the, with the regular ones, you can get the, the regular ones customized to like whoever you want, right? Like they're, they're older players. But I think at some point, because they're only producing certain names now in certain jerseys, um, you'll only get those and probably later on in the year or close to the end of the season, you'll start getting like fully customizable jerseys for, uh, any other players. Like I saw. I saw Ricky Waters. I saw John Taylor. I saw like the goat had his Steve young. They all had them. But beyond that, like BY had one too. Bright young had one as well. But beyond those guys, I don't think I saw anybody else, man. You should be able to get anybody you want. You should be able to get Eric Davis, Tim McDonald, Merton Hanks, who Mm -hmm. else? Gary Plummer, Mm -hmm. Ken Norman, Lee Woodall, get them all, Mm -hmm. baby. Get them all. Yeah, man. William Floyd. Except for Daniel Stubblefield. F that guy. (laughs) Yeah, there were some issues there, right? Yeah, for, yeah, forget that guy. But yeah, like, yeah. yeah and speaking of that, so I want to, I want to take an aside now to talk about these '94 jersey. How cool do they look, man? How awesome is that? Like, I'm it is so really glad. Cool, yeah. Like, they look yeah, so excited. clean. Like, like Javi posted a picture of his Warner jersey today, man, and it looks so clean, man. I love that look, and I really wish they would just go to that look for the full season and not like you know, was it four games? I believe they're going to that look four home games. Like I wish they had them all eight home games because it's such a great look. And with the white pants, the only the only thing that I hope that they do is that they hope they bring back the candy cane socks instead of just the white socks. Like do it right, <laughs> right? Do it right. But I mean, like I ordered a Trey Lance one. I'm super excited to get it. I'm gonna rock it on game days. It is so cool that they did that. And the amount for, Niners Twitter doesn't get along that often, but the day that they released those, man, every single person on Niners Twitter, it was like happiness and rainbows and birds chirping and the sun shining it was just a breath of fresh air because we always fight about everything right it was just a breath of fresh air because everybody loved those and it was such a cool day to like just talk to everybody like oh which one do you get which one do you get you know like the first day you come back like from summer vacation when you used to go to school as a kid like you talk about oh what'd you do this summer like it was kind of like that and it was so cool to see and i'm so glad the niners did it super happy to to have 
bought one of those. You know, I, I think Niners Twitter, there is a lot of fighting on there, but I think the most part people are good and supportive. There's always, to me, the people who are rude, it's always like the same 10, 15 people. I don't yeah. know. Look at my mentions. I started blocking people, dude. Straight block. I don't even care anymore. Yeah, if you're going to be rude, you, you can't have an opinion. You know what I mean? People are like, oh, no, this is what I think, so I'm going to be a dick about it. Like, just block people, Zane. It's a lot better, it's a lot better for, for your, your head. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Block I started blocking people. It's funny because this, this dude came on with a burner. And uh, remember that guy who said that uh, you saved a dying podcast. Thank you for saying this. Dying, thank you for saving this dying podcast, by the way. I'll appreciate it. Oh, that. yeah. I remember <laughs> seeing that. I wasn't even sure what that dude was trying to say. Yeah. So it's funny because like, I ended up blocking that dude. And I'm like, man, people are just so dumb, man. Like sometimes like I don't even so care about that. Like, dude, I just for fun, dude. You and I have nine to five jobs that we love, man. We're just doing this for fun. It doesn't matter to me. You get bent out of shape. All right, cool. Peace out. You're blocked. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Like this is our hot. This is a hobby. <laughs> Exactly. You know, it's basically a hobby. Yeah. Whatever, whatever, man. All right. This is another one from Chez. This is a good question. Which second or third year player or players is likely to make a huge impact? All right. The obvious ones are like Brandon Ayuk or Javon Kinlaw, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with someone who's kind of random and he's somebody that D'Amico Ryan's talked about. And that's Kevin Givens. Now, I know he did have some legal trouble, but that got thrown out. Nothing's going on with it. So he looks good to go. And he singled him out. And I think he's a guy who's kind of a rando, random player that you wouldn't really think like, oh, he's going to make a big impact. But I think in the rotation, he could be. I think he could be somebody that that could help out. Um, also, I'm interested to see Dre, Dre Greenlaw in year three. Want yeah. to see if he kind of steps up. Because I don't know, he had the best year last year. He's a good player. He's pretty good. I'm interested to see if he takes that next step in year three. And can be, I don't think he's going to be an elite linebacker, but you know, just a really solid, steady guy that they can maybe, maybe give a second contract to him. I'm interested to see how that goes. Yeah. I think so. Greenlaw is number one for me. I think Greenlaw is, is going to be the guy to watch because the, this linebacking unit, if they're all playing really well, and the second guy is also on the, on the same linebacking unit, by the way, that I'm about, I'm about to mention, but Greenlaw, if they can, if they can really get him to play what, how he played in, you know, 2019 then you're getting a really, really good linebacking unit with just him and Warner. And the third guy I'm going to add, even if this guy doesn't play, those two will be really good together. But Aziz Al-Shair, he's he's the third one, right? He's the third linebacker of that unit. And he was a guy that like basically was like an undrafted free agent and they started him on special teams and he ended up getting in the starting lineup. And he's literally just kind of learning the position at the NFL level. And I think that for him, like playing next to an all pro like Fred Warner, who is, in my opinion, right now, like you could say he's like top three linebacker in the league right now with Bobby Wagner's decline and the fact that Bobby Wagner can't cover people anymore. Like you can probably say when you when you play with a guy like that, it elevates your own game too. And if they can make a leap together, that unit will be the best unit in the league. Like that will be the best linebacker unit in the league. Um, honorable mention though for rookies, though, I know we're not talking about rookies, we're talking about second, third year, but rookies. You know, the, the person I'm really the most excited to see, Al, it's not Trey Lance. I'm really excited to see him. It's Trey Sermon. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited to see Trey Sermon in this offense. I can't wait to see him carry the ball. He's going to be a load, and he is going to be, like, he has a chance to be unstoppable in this offense. I can't wait. And I will say this, too. Go a little bit off topic, but the Niners are going to run the shit out of the ball this year. I mean, oh, yeah. they are going to run, run, run run and if Lance is in there there'll be even more runs and I know Jeff Wilson is banged up to start the year but you got Mostert you got Sermon 
And don't don't sleep on my man Wayne Gallman. He did a really, really, really good job filling in for Barkley in New York. He's an underrated dude. You know, he's one of those running backs that you know he got a one year deal. I mean, running backs are a dime a dozen, but he's a good player. So you got three good backs to run the ball. They got the other rookie there. What's his name? Elijah Mitchell. Is that his name? Yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah. So he's another guy that can get in the mix. And if again Lance can run, they're going to run the shit out of the ball. Watch a lot of running. All right. Now next. Now the next three questions come from the same dude. Uh, I think it's Hoser or Joser, G O Z E R. He's got some some different ones. These would be good. All right. Niners versus Hawks on Turkey Day. Wilson and Sherm eating turkey on our logo. What was your immediate reaction? F those guys. F those guys, man. I like that was a point where Richard Sherman was. And uh, by the way, I think the whole most unfortunate part of this is that like the guy, like at least with the Niners, like he, you know, he got so much respect with the team and around the league. And I still think he still has that respect, but it's just so unfortunate to see somebody like that um, have, have a, have a speed bump like this. But man, when they did that, I was like, oh, I can't believe that we're, that these guys keep beating us. Why can't we beat them? Like what's Harbaugh's problem, man. Uh, of course, you know, they have to eat turkey on the 50 yard line. And I hope that the Niners do the same over there. Just like spit on their logo. And that, I was, I was pretty upset about it. You know where I was with that? I think I still am. I was so pissed that everything was deteriorating, that that Harbaugh regime was deteriorating because of the infighting and everything going on behind the scenes. I wasn't even pissed at those two. I was pissed at that. I was pissed at Jed York. Mm-hmm. I was pissed at the way all that was going down. That's what I was angry about. And that whatever happened there in that season set this team back from a hole. We're still trying to dig out of, they're still trying to dig out of that hole. Niners went to three straight NFC championship games. They had a terrific roster. They were a bully. They were fun. I used to love, I love those teams. I love watching those teams and it all went to hell. And that, Mm -hmm. that that's, that's what that reminded me of. So that was my immediate reaction. I was angry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also Thanksgiving, so I was probably not sober, remotely <laughs> not remotely sober, but I was pissed too. So, yeah. all right, same question, same or same guy. Have you ever shed a tear watching sports? No, but I'm telling you, a couple times I came close. The first was so I'm a huge Yankee fan. I know I've talked about that a lot. Don Mattingly, when I was a little kid, was like I love Don Mattingly. So the Yankees, you think now all oh, the Yankees win all the time. When I was a little kid, they did not. Like the Yankees sucked. In the early 90s, in the late 80s. In 95, they finally get back to the playoffs. 94 was a strike year and they were good and, and the World Series gets canceled. 95, they finally get back to the playoffs. They're playing the Mariners. They have a 2 0 lead. Mattingly's having a great series. And then the Mariners come back in that game five and Griffey's rounding the bases. I still hate the Mariners to this day. I hate them more than the Red Sox. I hate them more than the Seahawks. I hate them more than the Patriots, probably. I hate them. I'm probably the only person in the world who hates the Mariners, but I do. I hate them. And I remember I was at a party. I was in high school and I was at a party and I was watching it, you know, with a bunch of friends and the TV. And I just remember telling myself, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. And I, I probably could have cried, but I didn't. The other time was 2011 game against the Giants. I love mm-hmm. that team. I've gone on record saying how much I love that team. I was in a bar with a bunch of Giants fans. And I remember just seeing the fumble and again, being like, don't cry, <laughs> don't cry. And I didn't cry, but I could have cried. Probably could have cried at 2012 Super Bowl too, but I didn't. So yeah, there's been, there's been some rough patches and it's usually Yankees and Niners related. 
Yeah, I would say 2011, 2012 were the closest I've I've become as an adult. Also, you didn't cry when Kobe died. No, you didn't no. cry when Kobe died. It was died? sad. Oh no, it was sad. But I that was you know not status. to get like the way I am with that. Not to get super personal. I, I've had a lot of people in my life pass away. So like, okay. if I don't know them personally, it doesn't really affect me. I mean, I felt terrible, especially as you know, I felt awful. Um, and Kobe's one of my favorite players. But if nah, if I don't know someone. You know, I, I feel bad, but actually crying, I, I think I have to have some sort of personal relationship with a person. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I can answer for me personally, yeah. just personally, personally. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, that's that's totally, yeah, that's totally understandable. Um, I shed a tear when Kobe when Kobe died for sure. He was my favorite player uh, after Jordan, and uh, he's the last favorite player that I had in the NBA. I don't, I don't have a favorite player now. Um, Kobe was the last favorite player I had, and uh, uh, yeah, that was super tragic. But I mean, like as far as a sporting event. Um, that was like a death, right? So I think that's a little bit different. But a sporting event, um, the last time I cried was the 49ers losing to the Giants in 1990, that championship game. I was like seven. <laughs> <laughs> like went crying to my dad. Oh, why'd they have to lose? Oh, like, yeah, that was the last time I cried like over a sporting event. All right. And then another one from uh, Joser Hoser. What's the loudest, biggest scream you've made as a fan watching a Niners game? I know the answer to this one. I'll let you go first, but I know the answer to this one. The loudest, biggest scream I had watching a Niners game. Uh, man, I've had so many. I've had so many. Um, I think, so in 94, I mean, I was a kid, but in 94, the Niners were playing the Saints. As we talk about the 94 throwback jerseys tonight, I think that's fitting. I was playing Saints. Uh, it was Dion's second game. Uh, game was still kind of in doubt, but uh, he had a, a pick six, like right, like we were along the the, the sideline, like you know, a few rows up, like right in yeah. front of us. Pick six and took it took it to the house. Uh, and that's the loudest I've ever screamed in my life. I like I lost my voice after that. So for me, I remember. I mean, I was a little kid with the Montana to Taylor, mm. so I somewhat remember getting really excited for that, but I. Again, it was, I got to go back to the 2011 team. So the, the, the Yankees and the Niners are probably like my ride or die teams. Notre Dame football, I love too, but those are my ride or die teams. So I was used to the Niners winning and obviously it stopped for a long time. And when Vernon Davis caught that touchdown pass from Alex Smith, it was mm. like however many years of the Niners sucking just all came out. And I remember like just, I went, not screaming to the point where like my wife ran in the room like are you okay like screaming i was like so i, I remember there was like a lull because i didn't know if davis caught it mm. and i was kind of like, did he catch it did he catch that when i knew i went absolutely crazy i don't know what it was about that 2011 team maybe it's just because um they were bad for so long they weren't supposed to be good and they just, I don't know, it was like a scrappy team. Alex Smith, the whole redemption thing. So I always really liked Alex Smith. Mm -hmm. The redemption thing, you know, Vernon Davis kind of becoming like, you know, the star and, and one of the team leaders. And obviously Frank Gore. And I love Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis, Patrick Willis is probably the last sort of favorite player I've had. You know, I kind of mm -hmm. don't have favorite players anymore. But just that team, I loved it. I loved it. And that moment was awesome. It was awesome. I really wish that team could have won the Super Bowl. But oh, here we stupid are. Stupid Kyle Williams. All right. Who was the QB you rooted for and thought was going to be the dude between Garcia and drafting Alex Smith? Wasn't there only oh. one year between Garcia and Smith? 
Yeah, yeah so, so we're talking who Ratay Pickett and uh what's his name? Ken Dorsey. Uh yeah, none of the above there. Were there any QBs though in that era? So let's say this. Obviously not Kaepernick, because we everybody thought he was gonna be any QBs from like Garcia through 2011 Smith Kaepernick. Yeah. I don't think so. I think it was I a was, lot of what the hell are we doing at quarterback? Really? I, I was rooting for Dorsey. Because because of the pedigree from from the U, and I was a big fan of the U, and obviously Frank Gore and everything. Like I was a big fan of Frank Gore too before coming to the Niners. I thought Ken Dorsey would be like I thought that that was gonna that guy was gonna be the guy. Like oh he's got the pedigree, he's a champion, he's never lost. I think he ever lost a game. I think he lost like one game in college or something like that. Well, this guy's gonna be awesome. And then he's like this skinny, noodle armed guy that really can't do anything like unathletic and he was awful. He was he was terrible. So he w- he was like the one him and like maybe like Troy Smith for like a couple of games. Yeah. It always just seemed like just kind of, it wasn't going to happen with those guys. I don't know. It just, that was a really dark time in, in, in 49 Ireland, man. That was, that was rough. Just Remember Sean Nate, Hill Nate and Sean Hill was actually probably the best out of the bunch. Wasn't he? He was kind of okay. He, he was. Yep. Yep. Kill with Hill. Yep. I remember that. So what was the year? I always bring this year up. I got to find it. There was one year where the Niners had like, the, oh, okay, it was, this was the 2005 49ers QBs. This was Smith. Let me see who these guys were. Smith, Rattay, Dorsey, Pickett. Niners battle through two passes, but we're not going to count him. Listen to how bad this is. This was the season. 204, complete, 204 completions out of 389 attempts. They threw for 1898 as a team. They didn't even throw for 2,000 yards as a team. Eight touchdown passes, 21 interceptions. That happened. <laughs> we lived through that. That's how bad it was at one point. Holy cow. That's pathetic. Absolutely. Where's it? What's the, can I get the yards per attempt here or no? I don't think so. Um, I mean, just absolutely atrocious. That's like the worst quarterback play of all time. Mm-hmm. It's, it has to be. Interception percentage, 5.48. Yards per attempt, 5.6. That's terrible. So bad. So bad. Yeah, so we lived through that, Zane. All right, one more question. This is an odd one. This is from Josh Dowling. In college, Wisnowski had several runs. Why hasn't he had any in the NFL? And do you think we're ever going to see him pull it down and run? I didn't know he ran. Did he run a lot in college? I didn't even know that. He had a few. I mean, he had a few, and he had a few big gains. But I guess I'll answer this one first. So the thing is, when, when it comes to fake punts and, and all of the gadget plays of special teams, the opposing team has to give you a certain look for you to be able to do that. And if you ever heard Pat McAfee's podcast, uh, you should definitely listen to it in his show. Uh, do you listen to Pat McAfee at all? Well, sometimes I do, once in a while. Yeah, I mean, so listen to the Troy Palomalu episode. So this was an episode where basically like he was the holder on, on, a, on a field goal. And the I think Vinatieri was a kicker at the time. So Vinatieri comes out, McAfee comes out with them, and uh, they're like, "All right, you know, basically, if uh, Palomalu is, is get, lines up on the same side every single time, we're going to run a fake to the opposite side. Nobody's going to be there because he always rushes the the kick to try to block. He's going to vacate. We're going to empty that. We're going to hit that spot. And it's going to be an easy touchdown, right? Awesome. McAfee calls a play, right? He's like, "All right, guys, this is going to happen." And he's he's talking about how excited he is, and this is moment moment to shine and things like that. So before the snap, like he's down and he's he's ready to receive the snap. 
Palomolu just walks to the other side and walks right in that gap. He stands right in the gap that McAfee was going to run through. And he's like, oh, whoa, whoa, time out, time out, time out. We're going to kick it. We're going to kick it. And he's literally screaming at the team. No, we're going to kick it. Kill, uh. kill, kill. We're and they end up kicking the field goal. And then the coach comes up to him. Pagano comes up to him. And he's like, you know, why did you do that? And he's like, oh, you know, Palomalu moved over to the other side. He's like, all right, good job, right? So anyways, the whole moral of the story is that the opposing team has to give you a certain look for you, your fake to be able to be successful. And if you don't get that look, basically you're giving up a, a, a possession. And it's almost like a turnover, right? Um, and for a lot of coaches, they'll, they'll never see that look. You may see that look like once or twice in the season, like Pat McAfee, they had that play like practiced every single year. He only got that look once in his career, right? For a career of a punter was very long. So that kind of gives you an idea of like how often these things come up. So just because of that, it's not, it's not as simple as it seems because like teams also guard against this, but you have to get a certain look from the opposing team to be able to do it successfully. Yeah. You know, well, that that's the thing too. Like you, you said, you can't just kind of, you know, pull it down and run. You got to have the look or whatever. So, but you know, maybe, maybe they'll mix it in, but hopefully, you know what, hopefully we don't punt that much this year. Right. We won't even have yeah, to we'll need it. it. So. We won't need it. Yeah. But it's all good. All right. So you got anything else? Um, baseball all-star game, man. Uh, Shohei Otani. Fantastic. Stephen A. Smith is a freaking clown. What an ass clown that guy is, man. The fact, so here's, I'm about to go on a, a short rant about baseball and what's wrong with Let's baseball. Do it. Here. So, this is this is the thing that's wrong with baseball, Al. They don't know how to market their stars. And this has been a problem basically since Griffey. Um, since Griffey retired, pretty much. He was the last star that they really, I feel like, marketed properly. There's all the Yankees guys, you know, like like Jeter and all these guys and like on the Red Sox, like Manny and 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 Big Poppy and guys like that, that they marketed fairly well, but not to the not to the point where like you look at it and like, you know, in the NFL, like, oh you know, Brady was the face of the league or Patrick Mahomes is the face of the league. Like it's, it's never like that. And I'm not sure if it could ever be like that because you have so many games, but right now, like if you saw Mike Trout on the street, like you wouldn't even recognize him because the major league baseball doesn't put his face anywhere. And the fact that they have a guy in Shohei Otani, who's a two-way player, which I think is fantastic. I was a two-way player in college. So for me, I think that's great. Right. But, and I was a pitcher too in college. So I think that's great. But you have a guy like who's so marketable because he's playing two positions and he's playing them both really well. The guy throws like mid nines from the mound, goes the next day, DHs and hits a bunch of home runs, and he's he's fantastic. And he was the first ever to start the All Star game, uh, bat DH, and also participate in the home run derby. I think that's fantastic, and that's a golden opportunity for baseball to market that. And so here comes Stephen A. Smith saying that oh, they don't market him because or he's not marketable because he doesn't speak English. What? are you talking about the fact that first of all, the fact that ESPN still has this idiot talking and on the air is shocking because he's a moron. And number two, Mike Trout speaks perfect English. Al, they can't market him. Right. Right. I mean, they can't market that guy either. So this is a baseball problem, right? Rob Manfred is turning this thing into a circus. They're walking back those rules, by the way. So there's no more next year. There's no more runner on second to start, uh, 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 extra innings. And there's no more seven inning double hitters. So I think that like oh, you know, the double hitters, they're, they're getting rid of the extra, the runner and extras too. Yeah. Yep. They're doing that Thank too. God. So, yeah. Thank God. So I think that like they're relying on all these gimmicks to try to make the game like fun, but they're not marketing the most important commodity, which is their players. So really that's what it comes down to. And, and, and Ichiro was like a freaking baseball God. Okay. He didn't speak very much English either. And he seemed to have a pretty good career. 
in terms of like getting notoriety and being being a draw. So to me, Al, like I think the problem with baseball is systemic in, in the sense that like they don't they don't operate properly and it has nothing to do with like, oh, this guy's not from America, so we're not gonna market him. And that idea is just so stupid because the the number of international players that have come into the major league baseball and played well and have basically saved major league baseball because it's not as popular amongst American kids anymore. We should be thankful that we get international players to come in and we get to watch them. Like, yeah. So uh, to me, man, I mean, it, all this stuff, like it was so stupid. And Stephen A. Smith is a moron. So happy to see like Otani, like doing what he's doing. And it's really, really cool to see. Yeah, I mean, I think baseball is, is almost kind of dying out with younger kids. And mm-hmm. I always had the problem where, like, you start, where do, where do they start World Series games at, like, 8.30 at night? Yeah. No kid is up 11.30, 12, 12.30 watching, watching anything. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a problem. Like I said, they don't market their stars at all, whether it's Otani, whether it's Trout, whether it's Aaron Judge, whether it's Tatis. You know, they, they have a lot of really exciting players right now um, that they can market. Now, the game itself, look, all the strikeouts are a problem. I know they just got rid of the spider tech stuff, but still, you know, I don't want to watch a game where there's 25 strikeouts. You know, I don't, I don't like the way it's played. I don't like the shift. I'm not saying I know what the answers are, but I don't think the game is is what it was in the, in the 90s and the early 2000s and things like that. Um it's you not. know, it's just different in terms it's of that. Different. It's 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 not a, to me. It's not as as exciting. I don't want to watch three home win. runs and twenty five strikeouts. I I want to watch. You know, you want to see home runs, but like, I guess I use the ninety eight Yankees as an example. Like that team, I think Tino Martinez led that team with like twenty eight home runs or something like that. Yeah, you know, they played good baseball, and you move runners, and you have rallies, and that's what you want to see. And it's I don't know the game the way it's played right now is kind of t- kind of tough to take. Yeah, I think that like part of this uh, before we go too long here, but part of this is the advent of Moneyball and the way that they played it. And, the, and, and I really blame like Billy Bean for a lot of this, right? Because the way that he's introduced baseball, that the way that the A's used to play, like the entire league is playing that way. Now, the difference is that everybody does that now and relies on saver metrics and really relies on and advanced statistics to be able to get the best value players, but they're doing it with money. What, what that's done and, and I've said this so many times before, what that's done, Al, is de- it's devalued superstars because you're like, oh, well, I don't need a Mike Trout because like, I can get three guys that will give me the equivalent war as, as, my, as one Mike Trout does, and I can get them for a fraction of the price. And I can still get the same production, but not lose. Uh, I can still get the same production, but not have to pay what I have to pay for Mike Trout. And some teams, like they overpay for certain guys because of that. Some teams sign guys to weird contracts because of that. They're like, oh, well, statistically, you'll fit our you know, what we want to do. And his advanced metrics are really good too. So we should throw a bunch of money at this guy and it, and it doesn't end up working out and you end up devaluing guys that should be getting the money, should be getting the notoriety. So that's kind of the problem too. And they're putting an emphasis on like the whole idea is like, oh, a strikeout is a better at bat than a sacrifice bunt because you're essentially making the guy throw pitches and in the long run, those pitches will end up getting him out of the game sooner and all this other stuff, right? So that's the idea that the entire league has adopted because they saw the A's doing it. They're like, oh, well, with this cheap-ass team can do it and they can be successful. Well, surely my team with money can do it and be successful at it too. I think that's, that's one of the problems. The other problem is not marketing their stars. The third yeah. problem is that like, the amount of games, it's just too long of a season now like for people to pay attention. Um, 
And the fourth problem, Al, is that when playoffs do come on, number one, you don't have enough teams in it. It's basically the top 10 teams in the league are, are playing. Like if you're the other, you know, 20 teams are just SOL at that point. You just have to watch. But when they play those playoff games, Al, you'll notice in October, they're at like Tuesday. They're on a Tuesday afternoon at like 1 p.m. Who's going to watch that? The, right. Nobody's going to watch that outside of your market. Like I remember distinctly having having to watch A's games or listen to A's games on the radio while I was in college because they're playing on like a Wednesday. And after my lecture, I'm I, you know between lectures, I'm listening to the A's playoff game. Like it's ridiculous, and they've been doing this for a long time, and it's caught up to them because the people that they should have been catering to, like the like the younger crowd, by making it more accessible to them, they've already grown up and they've already moved on to football or basketball or whatever sport they're watching or no sport, and they missed a golden opportunity. So now baseball is going to have this gap in, in a generation here that's not going to enjoy baseball until they can ch- change it and fix it for the next generation that comes after that. And that's yeah, the, the analytics. Yeah, I'm okay with the analytics as part of what you're doing. So you mix in the analytics with everything else. But Joe Torre used to say that, you know, the game has a heartbeat. Any game has a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. You don't know what a guy feels like one day or if somebody's in the groove or, you know, things like that. Like to just, just rely on analytics is just insane. Just yeah. insane. It's why the Yankees have an all right-handed lineup playing in Yankee Stadium right now. It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes no sense. It's just stupid. So, whatever. Hey, how's your golf game? Uh, it's going real well, man. I played. Uh, I played the Plantation Course a couple weeks ago at uh, at Kapalua, and it was the most beautiful course I've ever played in my life. Um, played with like a like a an eight handicap and like a six can- handicap, and they totally kicked my ass. I was like, I didn't even care though, because you know, look where I'm playing. Uh, played Harding Park the week after, actually. So. Uh, two places that Tigers won actually, um, and and Harding Park was so much fun. Even though it was rainy and cold, so much fun. Uh, I'll post a video uh, of that uh, on my Twitter uh, probably in the next couple of days. But it was so much fun. I so shot a 40, well. I shot a forty nine through nine, which was the first time I've ever been under fifty on like a non par three course, and nice. I was really happy. I'm sure that's still an awful nine holes for you, but I was like, dude, I was riding high, man. Forty nine, baby. 49ers. Hey. PGA. Oh yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. <laughs> PGA tour, here I come. I mean, so now that the uh, the 49 in your Twitter handle, Al Cycle 49 stands that that means that it's your golf score and not the my 49ers, lowest, right? My lowest golf score, yeah. Exactly. I love it's funny with golf with me. And I'm sorry if you guys are bored at this point, you can turn off if you want to. Um <laughs> I got to the point with golf where like I'm I'm kind of obsessed with it now. Right? Like I'd always kind of liked it and it was fun to go out with, you know, your buddies and drink a couple beers and, and hit around. But now I'm like, it might be my second favorite sport. I'm like that right. into it other than Me football, too. which, which is, which is weird. I didn't think I'd ever get like this, but I'm, I'm getting to the point where like, I'm watching it on TV. Maybe it means mm-hmm. I'm getting old. I don't know. All I want to do is play it. It's like, all I want to do, I'll be doing something. I'm like, I really wish I was golfing. So I'm just, I'm all in, man. Do I suck? Yeah. But I don't care. It's fun. Welcome, welcome to the dark side, Al. Your I'm life in. will never be. It will never be the same after this. I hope you know that. I am. Your life is never going to be same. all in, all in <laughs> with the golf, all in with the golf right now. The PGA. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm watching the John Deere Classic. I'm yeah. All about it. All about it. So uh, definitely have to make it out to like Tahoe, man, one year and watch that celebrity pro am. I'm. That's one of my bucket list items for sure to get out there and and to watch that. I know it's a small one, but it's it's super. Uh, I would just I would just love to be there and see all the celebrities play. But golf I, is like I, it's. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, God. No, I was going to say, I used to work for a website. Um, when I used to cover the Hall of Fame for baseball, I worked for it was called Sports Out West. 
I covered mm-hmm. the Niners. I did like the Hall of Fame for them. And I used to always get the opportunity. We used to, we used to be able to cover golf if we wanted mm-hmm. to that were around. And I didn't care about it then. So I was like, nah, I don't want to do a PGA event. And now I wish I wish I did it. I wish I could have done it. Oh, well. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Yeah. Golf is just so addicting. I, I think that uh, just if you had a good a few good shots, and it's funny because I, I know I have a few people that, that follow me that also golf too. We can talk golf every once in a while. But like if you, if you had a few good shots, it's those shots that carry over to your next round. You're like, man, like I can, I can do this again. So yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, if and when you come to the Bay, man, we have to play Harding. We have to play Harding Park. It's, it's a lot of fun. Really beautiful course. Challenging, but it's not impossible. It, it'll be a lot of Absolutely. fun. I will golf a 140 on that course. <laughs> uh, one, don't you mean 149? Yeah, 149. There you go. It might even be more than that if it's that challenging. But yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. All well, right, Sam, I mean, we're we're back. It's been a while. Yeah. We're back. We yeah, are we're back. back. It's been a while, Listen, man. Yeah, yeah. We're we're back. I don't know if we'll do a show next week, but definitely when camp opens, we'll see. We'll start getting some guests on again. Like we are back. We're gonna be recording. It's the season as far as I'm concerned. Let's go. Trey area. All right. Thanks for listening. For Zane, this is Al. 